right, Luke chapter 18 tonight. The Bible says in verse 1, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was a city... Uh, There was in a city, excuse me, a judge, which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Let's have a word of prayer. And tonight I want to look at this wonderful little parable about persistence in prayer. Father, I pray that you'll help us tonight. May your word uh, be clear. May we understand this parable correctly from the word of God. Help us tonight as we consider our persistence in prayer, that old stick to I pray that you'll give it to us. Bless in this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Cable television's tycoon Ted Turner uh, has often been quoted as being critical of fundamental Christianity. Uh, Turner made some very revealing remarks uh, in, a, in a banquet in Orlando, Florida back in the early 90s. Uh, He was given an award by the American Humanist Association. By the way, the humanist and the humanistic philosophy says that man is the height of everything. And so it gives you an idea of where Ted Turner is in his mindset. Uh, He was given this award uh, for his work on behalf of the environment. Turner said that he had a strict Christian upbringing and at one time even considered becoming a missionary. He did make this comment. He said, I was saved seven or eight times in my lifetime, which is clearly not by the scriptures. The newspaper quoted him as saying this, saying this, but he said he became disenchanted with Christianity after his sister died, despite his fervent prayers. Turner now classifies himself as an agnostic at best and practically an atheist. It's very sad to hear someone have that happen to them. It's very difficult for you and me to, to kind of rationalize that, if you will. Here a man who is a very successful businessman says he was raised in a Christian home, uh, was saved as a young child, uh, understood what it meant to be godly, and yet he says now, because his prayers were not answered, he doesn't trust God, doesn't even believe in a God. With regards to your prayers and my prayers tonight, probably every one of us has considered giving up at some point because we don't see our prayers answered. I would say if we were all just very honest, there are things that we have prayed about in our life and we've not seen those prayers answered. And if we're not careful, we can come into a maybe not as far gone situation as Ted Turner, but we can certainly start to say, well, God, where are you? God, you're not listening to me. And tonight what I would like us to do is to look at this parable that Jesus here gives and talk and really look at the persistence, the kind of the, the stick-to-it nature, the I'm going to keep praying until God answers attitude that we ought to have. Uh, it's interesting, by the way, that here as the chapter opens in chapter 18, uh, it is coming on the, on the heels of Christ telling his disciples of his second coming. In fact, if you look back in Luke chapter 17 in verse 22, he said unto the disciples, The days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. 
Then he goes into talking about uh, the Lord's soon return that was going to be coming. And, and certainly they were thinking, hey, you're still here, so you're going to go away. And he had told them this already. And he now says in Luke chapter 18, my return is coming, but there's going to be some of you that doubt it. There's going to be some of you that are going to have a hard time having faith and truly believing that I believe that I am coming again. And so here in Luke chapter 18, he couches a wonderful little parable about prayer. He gives us some insight about how we ought to be asking for things, how we ought to have really what I call a pit bull or a pit uh, a, a, a kind of a pit bull mentality in our prayer, just kind of going after it and not letting go. Do you have a persistent prayer life? In this text, Jesus gives us five reasons to never give up on our prayers. So tonight, I want us to look at these five things, these five reasons that are here. Number one, don't give up. There's too much at stake. You and I should not give up in our prayer life because there's too much at stake. Look with me in the passage. We see Luke commenting. That's what he's doing here in verse 1. Talking about what Jesus was doing. And he spake a parable unto them to this end. That men ought always to pray and not to faint. So we get a glimpse. We get a picture into the purpose of prayer. Now Jesus starts speaking in verse 2 saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. You see now there is going to be a story that unfolds here. Of an unjust judge. Of a persistent widow. And then God, uh, Jesus Christ contrasts the relationship of the righteous judge, the father, with you and I being and playing the role of the widow. And so as we consider this tonight, we see first, don't give up because there's too much at stake. In fact, in verse 1, the phrase, ought always to pray, really is a strong command in the Greek. Today the word ought has become watered down. You know, we say stuff like this, I ought to go on a diet. We have no intention of going on a diet, but we say, I ought to go on a diet, right? Uh, some of us men right now, this is, the, this is the hardest thing right now. We ought to wash the car. That means we have no intention of washing the car. Or we might swing by Soapy Joe's and hope they'll wash the car for us if we're willing to pay for it. But we say, we ought to get the car washed. Or I ought to do something. So the word ought has kind of lost its understanding or its meaning that it means here. The word ought, when it says ought always to pray, uh, comes from this idea of obligation or duty. So what Luke is saying here, and Dr. Lucas, he's writing as a third party to this. He was not present at this time. As he's writing about this, he's saying, listen, Jesus gave this parable. He told us this story so that men know how they should be praying. You and I should be praying this way. So the phrase and the thought that Luke is telling us here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is that, hey, listen up. Jesus is getting ready to tell us a story about prayer and how you and I ought to be praying. It tells us there's a lot at stake. There's a lot of responsibility that is there. Furthermore, uh, it says, he, Luke says that we ought not to faint. The word faint is used to describe a believer who's lo who loses heart, who gets discouraged, who wants to quit, who wants to throw in the towel. The implication is clear that the choice is ours. If we don't pray, we will lose heart. That's what fainting is. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, is what the Bible says. And, and we understand that the principles in God's Word sometimes take time to play out. So does prayer. 
You see, sometimes what we do is we start in our prayer life or we have a request and we make it known to God and we stop at that one time. We faint, we quit before the answer comes from God. Who among us has not thought, well, might as well just quit. God's not answering. The question we should consider this evening is what happens when we give up? What happens when I stop praying? George Mueller, the founder of the great Christian orphanage in England and a great Christian orphanage here in the United States, uh, was a powerful man of prayer. He knew the importance of keeping at prayer even when answers seemed delayed or elongated. When he was young, he began praying for two friends that they might be saved. He prayed for them for more than 60 years, the story goes. One of the men was converted shortly before his death at what was probably the last service Mueller ever preached. The other was saved within a year of his death. What would have happened if George Mueller had stopped praying for those friends? You know, sometimes there's people in your life that you had been praying for. And now you say, well, you know what, they're just not getting it. Well, my son's just not paying attention. My daughter's just not listening to me. My family just doesn't get it. These people just don't care. Preacher's just not changing. Maybe you're praying that. I don't know. But whatever it is, if it's important and it's in God's will, you want to keep praying. Because the, 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 uh, the writer here, Luke, tells us, listen, we have a duty, we have an obligation to pray and to not faint, to not quit as we go on. This parable teaches us something very important in that God knows how important something is to you. You see, when you faint, when you give up, God knows that you have relinquished control of the situation. You don't care. There's no concern. We see the judge is certainly not a sweet guy. Look what it says in verse 2. There was, a, there was in a city a judge who feared not God, neither regarded man. You could literally say that this judge cared nothing for anyone. He didn't care what God thought. He didn't care what man thought. God says, give us, uh, God, excuse me, gives us this flawed judge who answers the widow's request to teach us that he in his perfect wisdom can answer our requests. You see, it's not that God is an unjust God sitting in heaven like this unjust judge, but he simply tells us, listen, if an unjust judge can give the widow her request, how much more a righteous judge? How much more can I, God, your heavenly Father who loves you, give you the request that you come and ask for? Don't give up because too much is at stake. But secondly, we'll see in this parable, don't give up when circumstances seem to be against you. Do you ever feel like that? You start praying and you say, well, everything's stacked against me. I, I, I just don't know if praying for this is really going to make that much a difference. Uh, the odds are not in my favor when I start praying this way. The widow didn't have the odds in her favor either. Look in verse 3. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. The second character here is the widow. She pictures in this parable, you and I. As a widow, she had several factors stacked against her. She had a little, she, as a widow, she had little standing before the law. In fact, uh, in, in the law, she had no standing unless she were to remarry, and then her husband could stand for her and could speak on her behalf. Uh, a woman did not go to court, and yet we find her approaching the judge, asking the judge, Listen, I need to be avenged of my adversary. Uh, widows were at this time a segment of society that was often oppressed and taken advantage of. Isaiah 1 and verse 17 and verses 23 tell us about this, uh, uh, this problem that was in this, the Jewish culture towards uh, the widow women. 
But fourthly, the widow and, her, and the poor were almost synonymous with one another. She had no means, no means to pay a bribe. The unjust judge, the reason it is listed here is because in the Jewish tradition, the judges literally were not sitting in a courthouse behind a bench. Rather, they would travel, almost kind of like the old uh, marshals in the Wild West. They would travel from town to town, and when the marshal was in town, law was going to be done. And that's what these judges would do. They would travel from town to town, set up in tents, uh, either in the middle of town or on the edge of town. And if you had money, you could come and get your case brought before the judge. Thus, they were usually called the unjust judge. Uh, they didn't have a normal seating or normal area where they w- would do business. And so this widow had everything stacked against her. Yet she was persistent in asking her request. As hopeless as her situation must have seemed, she was persistent. In fact, the language of verse 3 indicates that every day she begged him for help. Look at verse 3 again. There was a widow in that city and she came unto him saying, avenge me. The the phrase there, came unto him, uh, is a present tense verb. Meaning she was actively always asking, hey, by the way, I I know I talked to you yesterday, Judge, but uh, did you think about my case? Next morning, hey, Judge, I I just wanted to make sure. I I see you're walking to the court today, to the tent. Hey, did you think about my case today? Did you happen to take notice of my case? Did did you think about my adversary and what you might do to him? The idea is that she was presently and actively engaged in requesting from this judge. She had no money. She had no standing. She had no rights in this society. Everything was stacked against her, yet she was persistent in her asking. Uh, R. Kent Hughes in his commentary on Luke says this, The language leaves open the possibility of confrontation everywhere, not just in the court. She pleaded with him in front of his friends and his colleagues. She confronted him in the street. She pestered him in the market. She called out to him as he was on his way home. Her only option, her only hope was to keep asking the judge for help. She had no other alternative. You say, what does this teach me about prayer? That's when we do our best praying. When we are out of options, when we are out of alternatives, the problem in our prayer life so often is our brain thinks this way. Well, let me solve X, Y, and Z, and when we get down to Z, there's no more letters in the alphabet, then I'll go pray about it. You see, this lady had no alternatives. And what Jesus is here teaching in this little parable is that, listen, you ought to come to me first. You ought to not plan on your alternatives because they're not going to work. They're not going to have any, bring any fruition or, or any change in any of your lives or anybody else's. The only hope is to persistently, consistently ask me for your request. Come and seek my help is what Jesus is here teaching. I think about you and I. When do we really buckle down and pray? It's not until we come to a place of complete desperation and have no other plan or recourse. Isn't it? And I'm not saying we shouldn't be good stewards and, 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 and be responsible for ourselves and we ought to take action on things we can take action for. But when it comes to matters of prayer, we need to take it to the Lord and leave it there. This woman could do nothing else. There was no recourse she could do. She needed to simply go to the judge. All she could do is say, I hope this judge will listen to me. Now, it's a parable. They're not real people. There's no names given. That's how you can tell it's a parable. But... The man was called unjust. So if the scenario were in fact real, there was nothing that she could have done. There was nothing that she could have hoped for but to continually ask and hope to receive. Don't give up when circumstances seem to be stacked against you. Third, don't give up 
The, uh, the answer may be just around the corner. Look at verses 4 and 5. Don't give up. The answers may be just around the corner. The Bible says in verse 4, And he would not for a while. The judge said, You know what? You can keep walking around and talking to me. You can keep pestering me. You can keep bugging me. I'm not answering your request. But then it continues in verse 4. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Now again... Jesus in the next, what we'll see in just a moment, is going to contrast our Heavenly Father with this judge. But her continual persistence paid off. It got her the answer that she wanted. The judge finally became weary of her constant requests. Although the judge delays his answer, she keeps coming. Today, we might translate the judge's statement, by the way, in verse 5, troubleth me as she's wearing me out. Uh, And in fact, the actual literal translation could be this. She's blackening my eye. (laughs) That's what it means by trouble me. You might say this. She is just beating me up over this. Think about that widow. She had nothing, uh, no hope outside of this judge. She had no way to or no recourse against her adversary except for the judge take action. And so what she did was in a very persistent way, just slowly, just keep at it, beat on it. And finally, he said, listen, I don't know how it went. You know, it's a parable, but, but I can imagine the story would be this. The judge is just walking to, to the court one day, and she comes again, and he's thinking, oh, not this woman. Not again. Really? Lady, leave me alone. Would you stop bugging me about that? You know what? If you will just leave me alone, I will take care of it today. Her persistence paid off. You see, her answer was just one day away in her mind. It may have been from the start to the end that it was two weeks or two months or two years. We're not told in this parable. But simply to say, it wasn't the first time she asked. She had to continually and repeatedly ask this judge, Will you please answer my request? Will you please work in my situation? Will you please help me? And the judge said, You are wearing me out, woman. I will answer your request. I can't get any other cases done because you keep coming to my house. I can't get anything done. Every time my friends come over, there's this woman outside. You are wearing me out. Boy, that's the way we ought to be with God. We ought to go with every ounce of our being to God and say, please help me. Please solve this situation. Please cure this in my, in my family. Please take care of this. Please work in this way. We ought to persistently ask God for help. The answer is just around the corner. I remember a page from John Wesley's diary. It reads this following. Sunday morning, May 5th, priest in St. Anne's was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday p.m., May 5th, priest in St. John's, deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday, May 12th, a.m., priest at St. Jude's, can't go back there either. Sunday p.m., May 12th, priest at St. George's, kicked out again. Sunday a.m., May 19th, preached at St. Somebody Else's. Deacons called special meeting and said I couldn't return. Sunday p.m., May 19th, preached out in the street, was kicked off the street. Sunday, May 26th, in the a.m., preached in the meadow, chased out of the meadow. A bull was released on us. Sunday a.m., June 2nd, preached out on the edge of town, kicked off the highway by the patrolman. Sunday p.m., June 2nd, afternoon service, preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came to hear me preach. Persistence. You know, a lot of times what happens in our lives is uh, we don't get an answer or, or something doesn't go away. Well, I'm not doing that again. Now, this is particularly about prayer tonight, but I think about visitation. 
I, I think about serving God in a ministry. Well, I tried it, preacher. I'm not doing that again. I got burned. Okay. Well, then look for another ministry. I go to the next door. You, you see, we lose and we lack in our Christian faith today a lot of persistence. Jesus is here telling us that this woman received her request from this unjust judge because she was persistent, because she stuck to it. I often think of God our Father hearing uh, the children chirp in the back seat. What we often uh, think, I think of is when we, we're kind of riding in this car and God is driving the car. And I, I think how Cassie and I used to do this to my dad all the time. We're driving down the road and we'd see a Dairy Queen. Ooh, Dad, can we get ice cream? And we'd drive past the next place and then maybe it was a popcorn stand or, or you know, maybe they're boiling peanuts. Ooh, Dad, can we get peanuts? We'd forgotten all about the ice cream because the next thing had come along. And sometimes I think that's what our Heavenly Father hears from us is we just kind of chirp out from our, our positions and, oh, I need this. No, oh, I'm not going to ask for it again. I'm not going to talk about it again. How often do you make requests known to God and how long do you continue those requests before His face? Well, I prayed for that once. Isn't that enough? Not according to this parable. It doesn't mean that God can't answer that one request. It doesn't mean that. We all know that salvation is a prayer made when? Once. So he certainly answers after one prayer. It doesn't mean that God won't answer. But I'm simply saying, if you don't have an answer, don't stop praying. And don't say, well, God's not listening to me. No, he is. He wants you to be consistently asking and making that request. It shows our faith in him. Number four, don't give up. God is working out an answer. Verses seven and eight, look there. In fact, let me, let me stop before I get to verse seven and eight. Notice verse six. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith. When God himself says, listen up, we ought to really take notice. That's what he's saying. In fact, what he says here, when he says, hear what the unjust judge saith, he says, listen to what I just said. Did you catch what that judge said? He had no reason to answer that woman's request. She had no money. She had no status. She had no advocate. She had no husband that could speak for her. He had no reason to answer her request, but he did because she was persistent. And Jesus says, catch it. Pay attention to that. When Jesus says pay attention to something, we ought to learn from it. And then he goes now into verse 7. He tells us uh, that he is working out an answer. In verse 7, And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Don't make the mistake of equating delay with God's denial. In verse 7, Jesus makes the application for us. He says, listen... God avenges His elect. The elect are those of us who have received Jesus Christ. Those of us who claim Him as our Savior. He says He will not neglect them. He will not leave them alone. He will not leave them to their own fate. He will answer their cry. Notice the cry though. It's day and night. Now that teaches us another little, another little caveat to prayer as well. We ought to be serious minded about it. You know what we often do is in our Sunday or in our morning devotions, if we have them at all, is that we will get up and we'll say, okay, God, here's the things I need. Boom, boom, boom. We go down through them and we read our Bible and then we're out the door. And we never make those requests again at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We just simply pray for the meals. And then we go to bed that night and we never get serious about asking for things from God. Jesus said, listen, your heavenly father loves you so much that when he, you cry in the morning and at night, he hears you. He wants to hear those petitions Coming up to him. There was persistence in the woman and there needs to be persistence in our lives as well. God is working out the answer. 
We may not see it moving at the pace that we want to, but that does not nullify the fact that He is, in fact, working in our situation. We need to understand that Jesus is not here comparing God to the unjust judge. Be careful about that. Rather, He is making a point by contrast. Unless we see uh, that Jesus is pointing this out by contrast, we'll get the idea that God is arguing or, or is being argued as an unjust judge. What Jesus is saying, listen, if He is unjust and, and, as a judge and can answer her request because of her persistence, how much more will your Heavenly Father answer you? I think about the verse that talks about gifts. He said, if your earthly fathers know how to give good, good, good gifts, how much more your Heavenly Father? The same principle is here. Is that, listen, this guy was an unjust, corrupt judge. God is an absolute, holy, perfect, and righteous judge. He defines justice. He knows how to deal in your situation. He knows how, knows how to help you in your time of need. Don't give up. God is working out the answer. Roger Sims was hitchhiking his way home. He said he would never forget the date, May 7th. His heavy suitcase made him tired. He was anxious to take off the army uniform once and for all. Flashing the hitchhiker's sign to an oncoming car, he lost hope when he saw the black sleek Cadillac fly past him. But just moments later, it stopped, and the door flung open, and he heard an elderly or older gentleman's voice say, Come on, get in the car. So he hustled up, and he got in the car. The man, once he got in, said, Where are you headed? And he said, I'm heading for Chicago. And, and uh, Roger said, well, I'm, I'm headed just a little short. Do you mind taking me? And the man said, not a problem. It was about a three-hour ride on the road. And as they were going down the road, Roger got a little nervous. He didn't want to tell him about the Lord. He was a Christian, but he wasn't real confident in his Christianity and wasn't sure if he should witness or not. About 30 minutes left in the car ride, Roger finally said, listen, if I don't do this, this man may never meet a Christian again. So he witnessed to the man. He said, listen, Jesus Christ died for your sins, and he alone can save you and promise you a home in heaven. The 50-year-old man said, I believe that. Turned off the side of the road, prayed right there, and got saved. About six years later, Roger was looking for a job. He called because Mr. Hanover, the man who gave him a ride, said, if you ever need work, call me. Come to Chicago, I'll give you a job. He called Mr. Hanover and went to Chicago. The secretary said, I'm sorry, Mr. Hanover is not here anymore, but you can speak to Mrs. Hanover. Roger walked inside. Absolute true story. Roger Sims walked inside, saw Mrs. Hanover and said, where's your husband? He promised me a job one day. And Mrs. Hanover broke down into tears and sobbed and said, Roger died on May 7th in a car accident. And Roger said, well, he gave me a ride that day. And she said, then you're the last person that ever saw my husband alive. She said, I prayed for my husband for years that he would get saved. And I don't think he ever did. And Roger Sims was able to look her in the eye and say, ma'am, you're wrong. Just 30 minutes before his accident, he sat there in the car and prayed and asked Jesus into his heart. That woman never knew that. That woman assumed that God had denied her request. That God had said, no, your husband will not be saved. But he was saved. And Roger Sims was able to give testimony to this praying wife that her husband was in fact saved and that God had answered her prayer. And, and that's a fantastic story. When I heard it, when I read that story, I thought, wow, I, I can't imagine that ever happened to somebody I would actually know. But I do know there's requests that have been answered in my life that can't be explained. There are, there are answers to prayer in your life that I know you have and, and that, that are real to you that didn't work out according to your plan, that didn't work out according to your timetable, but they were perfectly from the hand of God. 
Because God always answers his prayer. He's always working in our lives. He's always working out his will that it might be done. Finally tonight, don't give up. Jesus always keeps his promises. Notice what he says at the end of verse 8. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Jesus concludes with a question in the last part of verse 8. Why does Jesus want us to be persistent in prayer? Because prayer demonstrates our faith. When I pray and when I have faith in God and I say, God, I'm committing this to you. I'm taking it out of my hands and I'm placing it wholly into your hands. We are then saying, I'm, lo- I'm leaving control to you. It changes our mindset. It changes how we approach life. That is really what he's after, isn't it? Without faith, prayer becomes little more than a ritual that we perform. You know what happens to us, by the way, when we kind of have prayer as a ritual and it lacks that faith? We'll say, God, I pray that you'll work in this area. And we don't believe it. But we say, God, I pray that you'll work. And when he does the work, what happens to us? I can't believe he'd do that. I can't believe he'd answer that prayer. I can't believe God's working that. Oh, I can't. Wow. It's more of an astonishment. You know, there's a Bible story that tells us that. Acts chapter 12. In verse 5, the Bible says that Peter was in prison. And the church there was praying for him to be released, right? And the, and the, prisoner, uh, the, the prison shook and the angel came in and, and led uh, Peter all the way out, literally to the door of the house in verse 20 in Acts chapter 12. And he knocked on the door. The church is inside praying for his release. It's supposed to be with faith. It's supposed to be trusting that God was going to answer. And what happens? Peter literally has to convince him that it's him. <laughs> I, I, it's me. It's Pete. Open the door. It's me, really. I got let out, and the angel let me out. And the little girl there is like, who are you? He said, it's Peter. He comes, she comes back, okay, come on in. That's how we pray. We absolutely lack faith in our prayer. Well, God, let me just throw this one up. I hope it sticks. Isn't that how we pray? But that's how we, we, we shouldn't be praying that way. We should be praying with faith. That's what God expects from us. Jesus says, are you sure? As sure as my return will be, so too your prayers will be answered. Do you believe he's coming back? Well, that's a hard one, preacher. I'd like to say it. I'll amen you when you say he's coming back someday, but in my heart, I have a hard time. If you struggle with that faith, then you probably struggle with praying in faith. You see, we ought to have our prayers bathed in faith. He has kept every word ever written about him. He has kept every word promised by him. God will keep this promise too, that your prayers will be answered if you just keep asking him. Jesus' encouragement to his disciples to pray and not give up is still relevant for us today. We must take the lesson here from this widow who was making a petition to an unjust judge and realize as penniless and helpless in God's eyes... That we too ought to make our petitions to our righteous judge. Asking him to grant us uh, the petitions that that we are making. Asking him to give us an answer to our prayer. She dealt with an unjust judge, but we deal with a loving heavenly father who wants to answer our prayers. Trust tonight that he will always keep his word. Pray knowing that he will answer. Be persistent as this widow was in your prayer life.